Welcome to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast, located inside the School of Health and Human Sciences at IUPUI in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Travis Smith, a proud sport management alum, adjunct faculty member, and associate editor of the Sports Innovation Journal here at IUPUI. On this podcast, we look to highlight the innovative practitioners and scholars in sports to learn and design Think the Future of the Industry together. Thanks for listening to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Okay, so I'm here with Dr. Dave Schrader, and we're going to talk about analytics and how students can get involved in that. He is on um, campus today at IUPUI uh, doing a presentation. It was a presentation earlier at the NCAA, and he's on a little bit of a road trip. So, uh, Dr. Dave, thanks for being with us. Uh, maybe give a background of you know how you got into this part of uh, analytics at this time in your uh, in your life, and then um, a little bit more about this road trip of uh, where you're attending different schools. Okay, sure. So I worked at three different high-tech companies. They were all database companies capturing lots of data for all kinds of um, applications. It could be customer management. It could be machine failures if it's manufacturing. A lot of brand name companies uh, open your wallet and look at the cards. If it's AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, they typically would all have Teradata. That's the name of the last company I worked at. Databases where their marketing people are analyzing predictive and creating predictive models for who's going to not renew their contract when it comes up, stuff like that. So I retired five years ago, and after watching Jerry Springer reruns a couple times, I decided there was probably more valuable things I could do with retirement time. I travel a lot, and I left the company with a million and a half frequent flyer miles, so I can do all these cool trips. I hiked Machu Picchu, and then I thought, I, I think I would like to just keep giving some university talks and do more outreach, which I had done a little bit of at Teradata, but I had many more hours to spend. So it kind of grew and grew in the last three years. I've done 110 talks at 55 schools to more than 3,800 students and faculty and coaches in some cases. So. This fall of 2019, right now, I have three road trips planned. This is the first one. So I'll be, uh, I was at the NCAA and IUPUI today to meet with students and commissioners. Tomorrow I'll be spending a whole day at Purdue, which is my alma mater. Then I'll go up to Notre Dame and then I'll come back and talk to the Horizon League commissioners on this trip. Then I fly home take a week off, then I fly to uh, Baldwin-Wallace College in Cleveland, followed by Harvard students invited me to talk to their sports analytics club, followed by Bryant and Bentley in the Boston area. Take a week off, then I'm going to go on a trip to UT Dallas, Oklahoma City University, two different meetings in Stillwater and Tulsa for Oklahoma State University, and then go to University of Arkansas. And who knows, after that, there may be another week-long trip in November, and then I'll start planning out the spring trip. So, Yeah, that's uh, quite the road trip. And uh, But, I mean, we're in a time where analytics is is a buzzword for sure. It, it's working. Uh, it's It's been around in the business circles a lot longer, in my opinion. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but now it's starting to get even to into team side and, and, uh, and the sports side of uh, the sports industry. But what do you think about as far as when you're on these talks and you're explaining to maybe students that are there 
um, that have not had any background in analytics. They just have maybe watched Moneyball uh, and they hear about analytics, but they might be intimidated about the math side of things um, or just uh, haven't been exposed to analytics. How do you kind of teach them that basics of that so that they can they feel like they can understand it and then they leave that talk excited about analytics? Mm-hmm. So to my mind, it's important that all students, especially um, nowadays, to get a good job, you really do need to have some fundamental background in quantitative methods. It can be math, it could be stats, it could, you could learn it through econ classes, you can learn it through computer science classes, but the name of the game in industry is how do you make better data-driven decisions, higher quality decisions, so you aren't running a company based on intuition. And one reason why it's been fairly easy for me to put these talks together and make projects for students happen is because a lot of the basic principles, the same technologies on visualization, the same statistics techniques for finding what are the most important factors that drive behavior like signing up for a season ticket. It's really no different from renewing your telephone contract. So I tend to get into the areas of analytics. There are six of them, we can talk about that. And then try to formulate projects that students can do And they don't have to have a huge amount of math background to do them with the stats packages that are available today. They need to know how to run them. And they may get the help of other more proficient students. At some schools, we have student teams where somebody from computer science can do the heavy lifting coding if they want. But business school students increasingly are developing quantitative skills. And so put them in a team and uh, give them a project and see what comes out. You might be very much surprised. So what are those six areas then? So um, I want you to walk us through the six areas that you're just talking about. Okay. So if you walked into an athletic department, number one, you would find the athletic director. And what are some of the problems where he could use some help with analytics? Um, a project I'm just beginning is a non-conference game scheduling specifically for basketball. And as you might imagine, there are a lot of factors that go into that. I found some great research uh, papers. I also found some amusing ones like cream puff games in football. So why do people schedule these teams that they can beat 72 to zero? And what goes into the factors behind that? Part of it is money and guarantees. Mm -hmm. Part of it is driving up the number of home games that you have. There's a revenue dimension to that. So anyway, a lot of interesting problems. And this morning when I was at the NCAA, they were launching a, a little effort that I'm helping with on how to help the athletic directors overcome their fear of mathematics and actually become more oriented to making decisions based on the data. Uh, So that's area one. They obviously have a staff. So if you walk down the hallway, you might find the people in charge of ticketing, right? Single game tickets, season tickets, pricing tiers. You might find a development group, a donor area, which is another variation on analyzing people and their behavior. What causes people to donate? What causes them to stop donating? There's a nice study from a faculty member, Liz Wanless, at Ohio University that I will probably go see on one of these trips. I've talked to her on the phone several times. So fan and donor development is a second area. Third area would be recruiting. So every coach spends a lot of time going after the best athletes. How can you predict which athletes are actually going to accept a scholarship offer? 
And so I did a project at the University of Dubuque on that for the wrestling coach where we formulated it as a dating game. So what are the criteria that the coach has for how badly he would want a student? And then we surveyed a bunch of their athletes to find out what were the reasons why student athletes decided to come to Dubuque. And if you put all those factors together on a two-dimensional scale, you can envision the ones in the upper right are the ones where the coach wants the kid, the kid wants to come, and so you should spend more recruiting time up in that quadrant as opposed to cases where the coach badly wants the student, but the student's not even responding to emails. It's like compatibility, pretty much. So you can score all of that stuff, right? But it can help save a lot of time and maybe increase the quality of the recruits that you get at the end of the line just by using data for recruiting. So that's the third area. Fourth area is the one most people think about, team tactics. So this would be coaching decisions. So you're wearing a football shirt today. So in the football area, a project that we did with Oklahoma State students was to build predictive models. Is the next play going to be a run or a pass? And after two weeks of effort, they were 75% accurate on the first cut of their predictive model. So the coach was pretty amazed. Um, the defensive coordinator really, really, really liked that work. So we have follow-ons to that. The next area, the fifth area, would be health and safety. So, for example, concussion studies where you put sensors in the helmets and you can measure them. When I was at Purdue a couple of years ago, I talked to a group of people that involved a three-part team, a, a mechanical engineering faculty member that had a lab with all these helmets that were being hit, smashed, you know, with sensors coupled with somebody who did MRI studies so that they could actually see the impact of the hit and the medical results along with a trainer who had retired, but he was Gene Cady's basketball trainer. So the three of them were working on next generation helmets, a crumple like the bumpers of your car. So the whole area of instrumentation of athletes with a vest where you can measure their respiration rate, heartbeat, perspiration rates, you know, are all things that can help the trainers do what I would call segment of one athlete training plans. Uh, weightlifting machines are becoming app connected. So it's not that everybody lifts the same. And if you've been injured, you should have a different segment of one, meaning you're the only one in it, a specialized plan just for you. So that's the next last area. And finally, the final area would be league analytics. So how do the league commissioners make decisions on um, scheduling tournaments, where to, where to bracket teams for their own tournament. Um, you know, the NCAA with March Madness obviously has a bunch of uh, scheduling constraints and tournament ideas. And so we can do projects for the league level on any of those areas. So there are five areas just to recap. The AD, uh, athletic director has things. The front office people for ticketing have analytical problems, recruiting as a problem, the team tactics area, the health and safety area, and then the league area. So those are the six areas where I've tried to make some projects happen. Yeah, and you um, you had mentioned earlier that you're gonna be speaking, you have spoken to some commi commissioners uh, and you're gonna speak to more commissioners. Commissioners and athletic directors, because um, they obviously talk a lot how do you get the, they're mostly um, still in the older area um, of athletic administration. So how do you get them to not be fearful of data? Because what you just mentioned is almost any athletic department, regardless of division, has those components in those areas. 
and they also have an academic institution in college athletics. How can you kind of integrate them to not be fearful of uh, analytics and realize that you don't have to uh, necessarily spend a bunch of money on like a software company to do all your analytics for you? Mm -hmm. So I don't want any trademark lawyers coming after me, but I call it Moneyball on campus. So when I say Moneyball, everybody instantly understands mm -hmm. either the movie or the Michael Lewis book on how the Oakland A's got a competitive edge through analytics and drafting people and ultimately with a small budget winning the World Series. Um, to answer your question directly when I was the speaker at the NCAA data summit for athletic directors that they held back in May to get ready for that. I called up someone I met who was at Mississippi State with the job title of director of analytics within the athletic department, which is rare. So here's an example of a school that decided to hire somebody with all of the math skills so that it could help the bulldog development group, right, the donor, so that it could help with setting, using math to set ticket prices tier by tier. And I asked him, his name is Peyton Phillips, you should look him up, he moved to Oklahoma State, great guy, young, enthusiastic, very sharp, um, even gave a talk at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, which is the number one conference on how he did ticket pricing. But his number one piece of advice for working with the athletic directors was do not call it analytics. When you say analytics, they hear voodoo and they'll go running out of the room. So instead, use, use human vocabulary. Never ever talk about regression models, machine learning techniques. Instead, you talk about how do we put more butts in seats, right? Or what's the next target group that we should focus on for the donor area. And if you can keep the problems very grounded, make them short-term projects with reasonable payoffs where they can see the value of it, then you start small and you start growing the number of analytics projects that you do. So for the math-phobic people, maybe the right answer is hire a director of analytics and that can be your right-hand guy and your go-to guy because you aren't going to hire a lot of people. The other part of Moneyball on campus though is Instead of having athletics on one side of campus as an isolated little fortress and people only talk to themselves, you can get the benefit of all these smart people and all the rest of campus who would probably love to formulate student projects. Either they can be capstone projects, master's thesis, um, even an entire class project. Uh, we did a project like that for the Mountain West Conference where we had two teams of three at Notre Dame, an undergraduate team and an MBA team looking at what drives fan attendance for Mountain West Conference schools. They did part of the project, then we handed it off to the Air Force Academy and an operations research group of 24 cadets worked on that problem and came up with models for each of the 12 schools of what are the levers and what can drive attendance. Now, if you sit down and talk to the athletic director, I don't go into the methodology and the math behind what the students did. They want to know the answer. Like, I, c I have control over the kick times. I don't have control over the weather. So weather might be a factor in individual game tickets at Wyoming Air Force Academy, um, but not so much in Hawaii or San Diego State. Yeah. But the kick time is something that I can control. And if we give them feedback that they should change it, then that's actionable. Hey listeners, a quick message and then we'll get right back to the interview. 
I wanted to quickly tell you that the Sports Innovation Journal is now accepting submissions. If you have or are looking for a place to publish your innovative thoughts and studies on the sports industry, then please consider the Sports Innovation Journal. We are an open access journal and our target audience is the practitioner looking for answers to the questions and problems in their job, and we want to attract and publish researchers that are identifying and studying those questions and problems. If you are interested in learning more about the journal and wanting to submit or sign up to be a reviewer, then visit the link in the episode notes or email Dr. David Pierce, the editor and director of the Sports Innovation Institute at dpierce3 at iupi.edu, dpierce3 at iupi.edu. Now let's get back to the interview. Yeah, so the integration is something I've always uh, believed in the athletic departments that a lot of schools need to take more um, a closer look at because a lot of them are strapped for resources and, and financial resources that they don't maybe realize that the there's professors and their students on campus that would love to do that. I want to talk about sport management clubs. And so a lot of institutions have sport management clubs. Now, it's starting to get to more... Um, the across campus for the student population too to work in the sports analytics area so do you see are you starting to see when you do these projects that you're pulling people you mentioned from different areas are there kind of sport analytics groups popping up and maybe replacing the sport management club or is it just teamwork pull someone in from somewhere what are you seeing when you're looking at student groups it's evolving. There are a handful of schools that are starting to beef up the analytics component for an existing sports management program, which tended to have majors that were a little math phobic in the old days. But people I was just talking to the department chair here right before I walked in this room, and they want to beef up the informatics portion. And I think the younger people are getting more comfortable with the mathematical side of things. That's one answer. Uh, Second thing would be some people are starting to offer sports analytics majors. I know Notre Dame is thinking of something like that within the business school where they're focused on it. Northwestern already has pretty much that kind of program. Syracuse might be trying to do that too, I believe. Right, right. So kids could get a major and that would be prime background for one of these director of analytics jobs within an athletic department. Some kids students, I shouldn't call them kids, Um, like at Stanford, for example, I gave talks there, and um, at Berkeley and Harvard in a couple weeks, they have entire blogs where kids are doing professional grade research, mostly on the pro teams, not on their own teams. And a lot of those um, students are trying to get internships, so that looks very good on their resume if they can do predictive models. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, a lot of opportunities. My my dream would be to crack open, maybe with the help of university presidents, right, who are the boss for the athletic director, saying, you know what, for all the money we're spending on athletics, we should treat the department like a data lab. And you should be fostering more of these projects so that students get real life experience instead of doing the back of the business book thing on customer management, why don't you actually do a live project on fans and what drives them and up, you know, try out some sample campaigns and see what works and what doesn't. You, you can provide what's the buzzword right now is experiential learning for the students, but at the same time, help out your own athletic department. 
Well, whenever you're at the NCAA again, as you know, like the presidents or even the decision drivers uh, at the NCAA level, they have committees and everything. Maybe we need to get them on board to uh, open up that idea because I think that's that's a, a great way to look at it. Um, about the uh, the sports industry, there's team side, there's sports side, there's all different types of sport analytics. Do you think that um, the future of analytics is looking bright for students that are maybe coming to college now, maybe they're a freshman and they're getting involved in analytics, or is there so many people targeting it, targeting this area? Is there going to be still more a lot to do um, in analytics uh, with sports, you think, uh, as far as like the demand there when they graduate four or five years later? Or I've noticed that with, uh, with you see trends maybe um, in different areas, but what about analytics? I mean, is it here pretty much? To only grow um, and and maybe that be a good sign for students coming in. I think it will grow at a pretty healthy rate, but it has a couple of constraints. So the general trend will be whatever the pros are doing on analytics will get pushed down to Division One, and you know the usual culprits that will start hiring and matching whatever the pros do, right? The Power Five schools, and then whatever the Power Five schools, if they're getting a competitive edge, that will drive the the lower Division One schools, maybe D2, D3, and selected cases, but it has to do with money. So if you can't drive up things like the revenues, then you're probably not going to be able to afford these, although you can do it with Moneyball and Campus projects and, and maybe come out with some good uh, outcomes. It's pretty clear to me that with the advent of sensors on everything, especially in the team tactics area, there's a whole new world of opportunities for applying geometry of all things. So the minute that you have a vest or in the NFL, it's two sensors underneath the shoulder pads, you can now track everything that's happening on the field. The ball has a sensor in it. So now you can map all of that to a Cartesian coordinate with dots moving around. You can start applying geometry algorithms to measure things like making and breaking space. So for any of the team sports, who's good at getting free? Which, which wide receivers are the ones you should recruit because they're leaving the safeties in the dust? On the flip side, which safeties are really good at breaking space? They have great closing speeds. You can see who's slowing down and gassing in the fourth quarter. Now, league rules may inhibit the use of this in real time, mm -hmm. but nothing prevents you from analyzing it, both from a recruiting perspective, if you're running camps and you can put sensors on students or for your own team practices. So sensors are going to drive a lot of activity, but even in the world on the fan side, which I would say is more straightforward and everybody knows a lot of the techniques there because it's just like standard customer relationship management in industry. Doing things like uh, there was a right state piece of work that I saw last year on. They surveyed uh, sentiment scores on surveys or you could scrape information off of Twitter and what are people saying about the team, the coach the new players, the halftime performance, is it good or bad? You can use sentiment scoring techniques to do that. So every time I look around, I find one or two new projects and I can't possibly do all of these. So I typically write them up and put them on the Teradata University Network outreach um, website that I help run with all kinds of sports ideas. So that's free for students. if. And faculty, if you have a .edu suffix in your email ID, then you can get 
in there and get an account and have full access to things like data sets or reading lists or uh, sample decks that I put together. I just did one that I'm going to share with the NCAA on everything I found of if you cracked open the head of an athletic director and looked inside, what are they worrying about? And how many of those problems would have problems that we could actually help them out with if we had analytics projects? So the idea is build some replicable templates that then students at any of these schools ought to be able to take populate with whatever data the school has, which would be unique to that school, and then help do analytics. Yeah, we'll have to link that up. Um, that sounds like a great resource for, for people that are um, are listening to this, and we can put that in the show notes for the podcast and the blog. Um, what, are there any other good resources, like a, like a something that, like a book or something that if someone's not sure they want to get into analytics, uh, to maybe... Should they read Moneyball or like what do you what do you usually recommend? I'm guessing there's some type of analytics intro book that maybe you uh, would recommend to students besides just looking at your um, at your resources. Oh, you have it with you. I'm gonna pull something out of my bag here so I get it right. So if you did take a stats class but you've forgotten everything that you learned and you would like to relearn it, relearn stats, but through the vehicle of only sports examples. I would recommend Analytic Methods in Sports by Thomas Severini, S-E-V-E-R-I-N-I. It's a fairly straightforward book. I had a stats undergraduate major, so for me, I learned a little bit, or more to the point, I refreshed my understanding of some of the things, but he gives a lot of examples of how you can apply analytics to a bunch of interesting problems. So that would be one recommendation. Um, the Scorecasting book, and I've forgotten the author, is a great compilation across multiple sports um, that kind of tells you the secrets behind the scenes. And then the Chris Anderson book on why everything you know about soccer is wrong is a great book, even if you're not a big soccer fan, that shows how to apply analytics to soccer to dispel some of the common myths about what's important and what's not. So I would recommend any of those three books. There's one by Pat Kerwin on football that I recommend people buy and give away as uh, uh, Christmas presents, for example. I should probably get a cut of the royalties on that one, and I've forgotten the name is of it. Is that the Football Genius book? Or I forget what it is. It's, I know what you're talking about because um, I listen to his radio show, but it's a good book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to wrap it up and... And you shared some great projects with us. Um, and uh, is there any project you didn't mention that might be like your favorite one you've been able to do? Or, or maybe what's your favorite part of working in this? Because you've, you've since retired five years ago, I believe you said. So I mean, what encourages you, motivates you to keep doing this with students? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you the end of my typical talk, the punchline is, why did this old guy come on campus and spend time to educate you and get you all excited about sports? And it's a trick. It's a trick because what I really want is that you learn math, stats, computer science, econ, any of the quantitative methods, because that will, number one, get you a job, a really good job, a high paying job. That will make your parents happy. You got a job. Number three, you can pay off your college loans really fast. And then number four, you can start paying for my social security. So that's kind of a joke, but there's a rhyme and reason. What I get interested in is the enthusiasm level. So even though 
it's still teaching students how to do visualization with Tableau. If you wrap it in sports, the interest level is about 10 times higher than the usual back of the book uh, assignments that you might get in business school. That's awesome. So what, one thing I've, ta- I've taken away from this is uh, sports analytics uh, seems like there's something for everyone. Like the students that think they're interested in it, there's there's parts of the of the uh, the analytics that they can get involved with, and hopefully we can get some more projects going with IEPI students. And you know, a goal of the Sports Innovation Institute is not just the sport management students, not just the informatics students, but we want to find students that are interested in this type of work in the sports industry, and then team them up like you like you've done with student projects, and and try and build something where they can get experiential learning and um, and get into the industry and. Analytics is uh, here to stay, it sounds like, uh, learning something new every day with it. Uh, So I appreciate having you on the podcast, uh, Sports Innovation Institute podcast, and uh, thanks for coming to IUPUI and speaking to the NCAA as well and and helping the sport industry uh, learn more about analytics. All right, great, and thanks for having me.